Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Angie. First of all, thank you so much for taking some time out. I know you're very busy and you have other things that you could be doing, but you decided to spend some time with me today. So I appreciate that. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. The very next thing I like to do is to ask you, Andrea, can I get an oh yeah? Oh, oh yeah. You can get an <laughs> oh yeah. I'm in public relations and my oh yeah is it's doable and affordable for every business person to do PR. So, oh yeah, add PR to your marketing mix. Got it. So tell us, how did you get into PR? PR is is something, I don't want to say that I avoid it, but it isn't the first thing. Like when I started my business, it is the first thing that I thought about. So how did you get into, into the, the game of PR? Well, it's so funny because I've been in public relations forever. I was always the public relations chair in high school of all the committees and then in college, I majored in radio, TV, film. and But yet, I was the publicity chair of every committee. And so it was such a natural for me to want to explore a field of public relations. And having been in the public relations field, starting at the CBS radio division in New York City, and then going over to the agency side of things, it was this natural for me to want to have my own business and launch Andrea Pass Public Relations. So it was this natural progression of knowing what I wanted, getting there and learning more as I go along the way, and then becoming a solopreneur and being able to take my abilities in public relations and to educate others and bring my expertise to the table for business people all across the country. So it's really been a wonderful ride. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how you can see those things so early in life? I have two little ones. Well, one's not so little anymore, but when she was little, I have a video of her dressed up in her tutu at her first dance class. And now that is her passion. She's a dancer. She's an award-winning dancer. So it's amazing how those things are, they show up early on in life. What is something that you, when you look into the industry that just burns your bridges, like annoys you that you see people doing both on the colleague side and on the customer side? On the colleague side, pay for play. Public relations is earned media coverage, earned in capital letters. And to turn it into a paid opportunity to have an interview featured or to be quoted in an article, it goes against every ounce of my being because I went into public relations, not into advertising or advertorial. So from a business standpoint, 
I avoid those pay-to-play opportunities. There are times I might recommend it to a client who's never done an interview, and the only way to get one is possibly to pay for one so we can show other media they are capable, but I avoid it as much as humanly possible. That's on the professional side. On the client side, the part that drives me bonkers is the folks that say, I'll do it next year, or let's talk about it in six months. Well, you've wasted time. You are wasting time. Begin public relations outreach today because you could be missing an interview opportunity, an opportunity to be quoted, an opportunity for your product or your book to be reviewed. So start today. If we keep putting things off, we're missing opportunities. So that's the part that drives me a little crazy on the potential client side of things. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious because I'm in the podcast world, okay? And what I'm finding is that podcast hosts are literally at the bottom of the food chain when you talk about who's getting paid for stuff. And this kind of goes to your, uh, my, I'm leading into my question on pay to play. For example, people pay PR firms to place them in media, podcasts be- being one of those mediums. So the PR firms, you know, they make money from people paying them to place them in media. The guest is happy because they get to go on the podcast and people buy their stuff. But in this whole equation, Andrea, can you guess who doesn't get paid anything from building the audience, hosting the the great show, asking all the great questions? It's the podcast host. And one of the ways that some people are, are doing that or remedying that is charging to be on shows. And you're the perfect person to ask this question to because I, I'm sure that you have some some feedback and opinion. Is that a viable option? Should podcast hosts start paying for guests to be on their show as a way to to make revenue? It's really an interesting question, and it's a hard one to answer. So when someone is hiring me to be their public relations professional, the amount of time I spend researching the right, and we'll say podcasts in this case, the amount of hours I put into coordinating, listening to podcasts before I pitch them. Okay, I'm not throwing spaghetti at the wall. I'm making sure I'm reaching a podcast that has the right approach for my client, the right audience for my client. So the hours I put in to coordinate and make sure that my client is represented the right way, my clients are paying me for my time and expertise. Certainly, podcasters like yourself can offer an opportunity for sponsorship. However, unless the podcast has a proven engagement. So that's where the challenge is. I see a lot of podcasts that, you know, they're not posting on social. There isn't an engagement. If they are posting, no one's following it except the PR person like me. And so if there's no engagement other than to say, I think I have X number of listeners, then what are you selling to the potential audience? So there really is a challenge in that. In the world of public relations, I consider Andrea Pass Public Relations is a client of mine. Okay, so I'm my own client. So I'm out there like I am today getting featured on your particular podcast because you reach an audience of business experts and entrepreneurs that would be appropriate clients for me. But it's all part of a process. Is it cut and dry on how it can work? I don't really know because clients are waiting for those analytics. And in a podcast, You don't know the analytics until the podcast could be out six months or a year because maybe no one's listening the day that you release the podcast, but suddenly there's some topic or something happens. And four months later, suddenly 
thousands of people listen to that podcast that month because it's not dated material. So I think it's a challenge for how a podcaster can make income, but also many podcasters run a podcast to increase awareness of their businesses. So it's a great way to have other people on their podcast so that you're reaching my audience to learn more about your podcast. So it's really a, you know, you wash my back, I wash your back kind of a thing in getting the message across. But podcasts are so important to public relations clients because podcasts give my clients a long form opportunity to tell a story. And when you're being quoted in a newspaper, maybe you get a sentence, maybe you get a feature article on TV, maybe you're part of a three minute, three and a half minute segment. But in a podcast, it's this dialogue and it's a relationship that forms between the guest and the host. And if you've done your homework and you've listened to the podcast and you're comfortable and you know your topic, then it's going to be a relationship for a long time to come. You're good, Andrea. That was a fantastic answer, but I'm going to poke a little bit. So if a podcaster came to you and said, I can demonstrate to you the listeners, engagement, all the stuff, how would that work? Would you say, okay, client X, this podcast, they have the stats to prove that they have engagement. They have a robust email list. Their open rate is fantastic. Their click-through rate is great. Would you then consider the podcast a pay-to-play? Because that you said on the pro side that the pay-to-play was the, one of the things that burned your bridges. So is that on the line or would that be appropriate? I think that that would be appropriate. It's important to recognize that certain clients, like I'm not a huge New York City public relations firm. I'm little old Andrea past public relations. It's me, myself, and I. I'm a solopreneur. So therefore, I'm not making the income and my clients are not paying the retainer fees that you would pay for a big Manhattan-based PR firm. So keeping in mind that my clients don't have big budgets, if I start chipping away at that budget, suddenly I'm at a point that I might make more money bagging groceries at the grocery store. It's a challenge. It's really a challenge, but I think it's about establishing that relationship and seeing where it could go that, okay, this worked out really well. We'd like to have you back. Can you be a sponsor? There's got to be a create the relationship first because there are so many podcasters today and so many homegrown journalists, people that did not necessarily go to journalism school or have an internship at a TV station or what have you. So I think there has to be that recognition that, yes, I might want it to be a business, but let's take the steps necessary. I think the other thing that burns me about certain podcasters, and Elsie, certainly not you, and I see that already, the podcaster that responds to the answer of a question with, that's awesome. I love that. My answer is not awesome and you don't love it. We're talking about business. Let's be professional. And you're coming across very professional in your presentation and your questions. And I, in turn, will make sure I'm coming across and I am professional and I'm not sitting here saying, wow, whoa, it's awesome. It's great. Wow. You know, that's not the way to do a business podcast. It might be a way for another topic, but in a business podcast, you must be business-like. You're good. We're going to have to continue because I love how you go about what you go about. But I'm, I'm curious, as you mentioned building the relationship. I am huge on relationship. That My acronym of choice is ROR, Return on Relationship. It's absolutely all about that, right? So 
you mentioned some of the things that podcasters can do to present better, to be more appealing, to grow their podcast. Specifically, what are what are some of the things? That, and I want to get back to on the client side, procrastinating. But as a business owner that hosts a podcast, what are the top two skills that we need to be developing today to do better at the craft of podcasting, in your, in your opinion? In my opinion, podcasters need to listen. You might have a list of questions, but it doesn't mean that question number three has to come after question number two. If the answer to question number two incites something in an effective podcaster, then that could warrant another question. And there should be that comfort level to not have to go down a laundry list of questions a certain way. So I think that's one of the things. The other things, I believe that podcasters need to make sure their engagement on social media is up there. And if that means all of your friends and family, and I would have no idea that these are your friends and family, but if you're not getting that engagement, if you're not on LinkedIn for a business podcast, if you're not on Instagram, if you're not on Facebook, if you're not on YouTube, it's important you're on these things. You encourage subscribers and comments and there is a dialogue that you're responding to. And that's important. I know when I post about Andrea Past Public Relations on LinkedIn, I'm tagging certain people. There's a dialogue and I'm responding. And I want to get many, many responses. And I don't want like, I want hand claps or I want light bulbs that it's insightful. That there's got to be more to a podcast than, okay, I recorded this. It's coming out next Tuesday. Share it. But the podcaster isn't sharing it and tagging the guest. So that's really important for podcasters. It's not one and done. It's move on and do more and share it again. I had a podcaster. I was on a podcast probably six months ago. And the podcaster sent me an email last week that my podcast is now number four of her overall podcast that she's had for three years. So my response was, I'd like to share this how do we move my podcast up to your number one? And I haven't heard back from her. And that was a week ago. Like I'm willing to help drive more listeners to that episode, but we have to be in it together. And, and I'm corny. I am a corny person. I admit it, but teamwork makes the dream work. It does indeed. It does indeed. Okay. So I'm not going to pry anymore that way. So procrastination. I think this will flow well into what we're talking about because everything that we do, we do it through the lens of of our, our listeners, right? Who are generally B2B service founders. And so obviously, if you're in a service business, relationships are very, very important. Why do you think people put off the PR side of the fence? I share with you before we hit record or actually right uh, right after. It wasn't on the top of my list when I first started my business. Um, I don't know. You, you don't know what you don't know when you start businesses. But why do you think people, that's not top of mind for them, PR and earned media? I think so many businesses think that PR is only for the Kardashians and that you have to be the wealthiest person under the sun to afford public relations. Well, that's a myth. Public relations is affordable. In addition, so many business people have this fear of speaking, but you can't say anything wrong because you know your business more than anyone else does. And I had a client who got very upset because they gave a wrong statistic during an interview. And afterwards, we have to re-record. The difference was so minuscule that no one was going to know the difference. And quite honestly, you need to move on from that. No one is searching to see, was that fact 
100%. Okay, they hit 99%, but you're not going to make a mistake. So I think the other thing about procrastinating is this worry that I'm not going to be good at it. Well, how could we be good at anything if we don't try and start doing something? And if you're not speaking on podcasts as a guest, how will you ever get good at it? And the other thing is it's not going to move the needle. Wrong, wrong. Being a guest on a podcast is going to move the needle. It's reaching new touch points that you wouldn't have reached. I'm reaching your audience today and you, when this interview airs, is you're going to reach my audience because I'm going to be sharing it and tagging you. So every single interview has that opportunity for touch points and every one is a potential client. Every one is a potential buyer or every one is a potential relationship. And my two word mantra is relationships matter. So it's very interesting that you and I feel the same way about relationships. But if you don't start and if you're waiting, oh, I'm going to redo my website or, oh, you know, I don't have enough on social or, well, my new service isn't perfected yet. Well, then you're never going to start. And that's why I say start today. I just launched my new website. And it looks fantastic, by the way. Thank you very much. A shout out to Market Share Communications in New Jersey for a fabulous job on my website. But it didn't stop me because I had an older website that, by the way, it was outdated. I just didn't like it. But it didn't stop me from doing business. No one said, I'm not hiring Andrea Pass Public Relations because her website's a little old. No one said that. But that's why don't wait. As long as your business has a website, you have a product or a service that you are selling, you have active social media pages, you're ready. You're ready today. You were ready yesterday. So public relations should be part of that marketing mix. And you don't have to wait until January of a following year to start. You can start in April. You can start in August. You can start in December. Start as soon as you hear this podcast. I love that. I love that. If you had to give a three-minute masterclass in getting started in PR, how would you roll that that out to us? I think that if I had to give a shortened overview of how to start in PR, I would start by making sure you had your website, your service, your product, your social media pages, your biography, images ready, because I need those things to be able to pitch you. Next is to know who your audience is. And You know, you might have a target audience and it might be this narrow audience, but we all wear so many different hats. I'm in public relations. I love to travel. My family is really important to me. I love going to new restaurants. So remember that there are different audiences that you can reach that still might be interested in your service or your product, but they're reading or absorbing that content at a different place. So I would spend the time letting you know, expand your target audience. So you might be based in Boston, but it doesn't matter if your client could be in Austin. So it doesn't matter where you are. I'm in New Jersey. It means absolutely nothing because my clients are all over the country. But if you have a hyper-local business or a hyper-targeted business because you can't do your service in person outside of Philadelphia, then you have a different PR audience to reach. But my three-minute lesson is being ready, getting all your materials together, starting today, and knowing your audience. You're a solopreneur by choice. What went into that thought process when you were building, starting your business? Because I found that over the years, I work with a lot of business people, people get into their business not knowing what they want their business to be. Do they want to build a business with 10 employees in 10 locations, 
or do they want to build a solopreneur business? So what was your thought process in, in determining that? It's very interesting because I've been in public relations for a long, long time. I'm not a newbie. I've been on the agency side, New York City-based agencies and LA-based agency. And so I knew, I had clients that kept saying to me, Andrea, when are you going out on your own? And I think the challenge was at my last agency, I was the vice president of media relations. And there were a lot of, and I apologize, I called them pipsqueaks. They were people that punched a clock. Their hours were 8 to 4. They'd show up at 8.40 and leave at 9.15 to go buy coffee. The phone would ring when I would visit, and they'd let it go to machine. When you're in public relations, there are two people calling you, your clients or the press. Answer the phone. Answer the email. Don't say, oh, but I sent an email. I didn't hear back. Well, if there's an interview happening, that interview is not waiting for you waiting for an email to come back. Call someone. Text someone. If you have to send a message on LinkedIn, which I had to do last week to reach someone, do what you have to do to get the job done. And when a door was closing for me, the other one was opening for my solopreneurship. So when I launched Andrea Pass Public Relations, as soon as I got my LLC, I had my first client within three or four days. And he was so funny. He says, Andrea, I'm buying you your business cards. This is my gift to you. And within four weeks, I had a full slate of clients constantly being referred to other clients and the business built from there. But when I created Andrea Pass Public Relations as a solopreneurship, I knew I only want four to six clients in any given time. I need to be able to service my clients effectively. I'm also of a certain age. I no longer want to work 24-7. I did that. Been there, done that. Traveled the country up at 3 in the morning to do live TV in studio by 4, 4.30. Client dinners after a trade show at 11.30 at night. Taking a red eye back and going straight to the office. I don't want that anymore. And as a solopreneur, you can make those decisions for yourself. And having been in business now for quite a number of years as a solopreneur, I've also flipped things. It is my life-work balance. Work isn't first. Life is first. And I think because of that, I'm able to provide a service to my clients where they see results and see results quickly. So being a solopreneur is exciting. I'm really loving it. I'm a kid in the candy store that if I click with you and you want to hire me, great. If we don't click, that's okay too. Not everyone is going to be everyone else's cup of tea. And that's all right. I don't mind that. But I had I had a former client reach out to me and she was going to a high tech company. I'm not into technology. It's not my area of expertise. I have a business, entrepreneurial, consumer products, services, authors, expertise. And this, and she's begging me. And I said, I won't get the job done the way you'd like it done. So I'm not taking the job to take your money. I said, because we'll end the relationship badly. And I don't ever want a client to end a relationship saying I wasn't happy with what Andrea did. I want a client to say, I'll refer Andrea. I'll give Andrea a testimonial. Andrea made a difference in my company because of the public relations she did. So I'm loving solopreneurship and I'm looking forward to it for many, many years to come. How'd you get there? How'd you get to the point? Because what I hear you saying, there's a lot of self-mastery that's happening there. Self-awareness, knowing what you want, what you don't want. How'd you get there? I think I always knew what I liked. Okay. So so you know your categories. Like, don't come to me with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Doesn't interest me at all. So I think you figure out what categories you like to work in and what you like to do. 
So my lane is press coverage. There are many different aspects to public relations. And I realized as a solopreneur, I couldn't do it all. I can't do social media at the same time that I'm doing pitch and place. I can't be busy writing bylined articles if I'm busy pitching the media. There's too much going on. So I had to figure out my lane. And I think that for any entrepreneur, you need to narrow your lane. You can't do 12 things well. We can't. No one can. You might think that you're wonderful and you can do 15, 20 things. Great, terrific, fabulous. No. So stick with what you're good at. And I'm good at pitching the press and securing the press coverage for public relations clients, which I call pitch and place. So I stay in my lane and I get the job done. I get it done quickly. But I also don't work with Fortune 100 companies. I work with entrepreneurs where I'm in touch with the CEO. And sometimes these entrepreneurs are solopreneurs. Sometimes they have a little bit of a staff or consultants who work with them. But I want to know if I have a topic that should be covered that I can reach the decision maker and reach that decision maker quickly so we don't miss a press opportunity. So I found my lane, I found my happy place and another Andrea Corny quote, if you love what you do, you've never worked a day in your life. And I love public relations. I love it, I love it. So you mentioned that there are many lanes in PR. I'm not a PR guy, so I'm ignorant to what are those other lanes? I think there's an entire lane on strategy. Okay. Okay. My feeling on strategy is the longer you overanalyze and you're writing strategy documents, the more opportunities you're missing. Because the minute that strategy document is finalized and shared with the client, it's outdated. In public relations, I can't guarantee you that you'll be featured in a specific issue of a magazine. I might be pitching it and it may not come until many issues later or not at all. Should I put all my eggs in that basket? No. So I think that's where it's really important to recognize that over strategizing is going to waste time. So that's my differentiator. I don't spend months and months strategizing. I start working with you day one. I'm securing background information images, biography, book jacket, company specifics, what your service does for other B2B companies. Day two, I'm pitching you. I'm not wasting time. I'm not dilly-dallying. And that's where I'm different from other PR person and people and agencies that will waste six weeks writing fancy, pretty documents. My clients don't need my fancy PowerPoint document. They need to know I'm working and getting the job done. And they want to know I'm working quickly. And that's where it's a different approach in public relations. Got it. What's a business lesson that you've learned over the years that you can share with us? Hmm. I think two lessons. Number one, don't say you're sorry. You're not sorry. You worked very hard. If it didn't happen, it didn't happen. But it's not your fault. Sorry is is putting fault on something. And I don't believe in, in putting fault on something. So that would be one lesson. The other lesson was a hard one for me, get paid in advance. And when I started my business, I had a few clients that, oh no, you know, even though I said I'm paid before the beginning of the month, not at the end, don't worry, don't worry. And I had a number of people that I worked for a few months and I didn't get paid. And then they ghosted me. And so I want to trust you, but this is business. This isn't friendship. And therefore, I'm going to be paid at the beginning of the month. So that was another lesson learned. And I think a third lesson learned, I have so many of them. Uh, I'm an authentic person. So I am going to be honest. 
And if you don't like what I say, I can't change that. But if you think that your story belongs in the Wall Street Journal, even though no one's heard of you, you don't have a client base yet, you don't belong in the Wall Street Journal. There's other media you belong in. But I had an author reach out to me who only wants to be in People Magazine. And I said, well, you're self-published. People Magazine doesn't run books that are self-published. You're a first-time fiction author. They very rarely will run a first-time fiction author, author that's not published by a major publishing house. And the person argued, I said, I'm not the PR person for you. That was about two, three years ago. I still have not seen the book anywhere. And I could have gotten her tons of press. It just wouldn't have been People Magazine. So set your standards, be realistic, and be honest. I'm not going to take your business and lie. It's I have to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Now, isn't cash flow, I don't know if it might be right up there at number one, but nothing demolishes cash flow better than people not paying when they're supposed to. <laughs> and, you know, we all have those stories, unfortunately. And and I fell for a client who was in Canada and gave me a sob story. This happened to me and I worked for months. And then, I mean, tons of press. If you Google this client, you would see constant press. He wrote me a nasty email and told me I didn't get him any press, which of course was not true. And he blocked me everywhere. And did I want to start suing someone in Canada? So it was a big lesson learned. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of summer weekends I gave up. And I live in New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. You don't want to miss your summer weekends at the Jersey Shore. And so lesson learned. And I think that's part of business that whether it's Andrea Pass Public Relations or any other business, there's always going to be lessons learned. Mm -hmm. So the number one life lesson that you've learned to date? My number one life lesson, life is short. My family is the most important thing to me. And I missed many occasions due to a bully boss and I can't get that back. And I had a coworker who missed his daughter's first day of kindergarten because the bully boss wouldn't let him come in an hour late. And the bottom line is family is the most important thing on the planet. And if clients or staff doesn't recognize that, kind of question who they are. But for me, the biggest lesson learned is the fact that I'm so fortunate. My dad is 90. My mom is turning 85. They live around the block on their own. I have lunch with them once a week. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a lucky, lucky person. And to be able to, my son is visiting right now from San Diego, and he's actually working upstairs in my house. So I look forward to seeing my son before he heads back to the West Coast. And when my daughter and her husband need me, I'm there. And my husband and I will take a walk at six o'clock at night. There's no reason I have to have a call at six o'clock at night every night. So family is really important. And that's at the end of the day. Here's a, do you have time for a story? Oh, yeah. Love stories. I went to a lecture by Mitch Albom. He's the person that wrote Tuesdays with Maury, The Seven People You Meet in Heaven. He's also a Detroit Free Press sports columnist. He's on ESPN. And Mitch Albom, it was a horrible day that I was with the bully boss. I was going to a friend's daughter's wedding in Maryland the next day. And he decided that Friday that I had to do 12 things before I left. And we were seeing this lecture and I wasn't going to go to the lecture. My husband said, no, no, let's go. And Mitch Albom said, and I'm paraphrasing, at the end of your life, no one is going to remember that you saved a company tens of thousands of dollars or you won an award. But at the end of your life, someone's going to say, that's a good person. I liked that person. 
I'm going to miss that person. I'm going to remember that person. And that was my aha moment when I realized I had to leave the bully boss and go out. And and I found another position in PR with a wonderful, wonderful boss. And I realized then family mattered. I mattered. And even though I do an amazing job for my public relations clients at the end of a campaign, or if we haven't worked for years, they still remember Andrea did a great job. She's a great person. And that's what I want to carry me through. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And my daughter, as I, as I mentioned earlier, she's into dance and they do these competitions and they prepare the whole year for these competitions. And they do the same routine at, at every basketball game and every event. And one time my, my daughter, she looks at me, she's like, well, you know, dad, you've already seen this routine. Why do you want to come and see this routine? It's like, I don't care about the routine. I want to see you. I want to see you dance. Just looking at her face and seeing that she's in her element and she loves what she does. To me, that is what it's about. And and so I totally, totally agree with, with everything you just said. And it's great to know that there are business folks out here that also agree so that we can band together and get rid of this whole bully boss and this culture of work first and family later. It's good to know that I have colleagues in that way that are out there holding up that standard. Andrea, if people want to reach out to you, learn more about what you do or to say hi, how can they do that? Well, I welcome everyone to come see my brand spanking new website, andreapasspr.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Andrea Pass, and on Facebook, Andrea Pass Public Relations. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, on the others as well. But schedule an appointment with me. Mention that you heard me here on LZ's podcast and the Enterprise Now show. So let's talk a little bit. Is it time? Yes, it is. And Let's talk about PR and how it will benefit your business to increase brand awareness, grow thought leadership, and drive sales using earned media press coverage. Awesome. Thanks again for your time, Andrea. Thank you so much. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email. Mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.